0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Not only the life of Jesus, but also the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And then also then the spread of the gospel message throughout Rome. The Roman Empire. How do we know that this is the reason for Luke's gospel and the book of Acts? Well, Luke tells us himself in Luke 1, he says this in Luke 1, 3 and 4, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of these things that you have been taught. I want us to take a moment right now just to, if you would close your eyes and just take a moment. We're going to imagine that you are Theophilus. Imagine that you are Theophilus. Can we mute everything except for me? Imagine that you are Theophilus at the moment. And in reading the Gospel of Luke, you're mesmerized by his account of the life of Jesus. You're mesmerized by the miracles, the teaching, the signs and wonders. And you're starting to wonder to yourself, is it possible... That Jesus actually is the Messiah. Is it possible he is the Son of God? But as you finish the Gospel of Luke, you're at this place, you're asking this question, what next? Like what became of the disciples? What became of, uh, what happened in their lives? And how did the message of Jesus spread from Jerusalem to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the world? Like, who planted the early churches? Like, what next? What's God's plan? You can open your eyes. I've often had, often had times like that in my own life, where I thought to myself, what next? I can remember when I was a young man, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, I got my first promotion at work, I was working at Victoria University for the Faculty of Business in IT. And I got a promotion from that job into corporate IT at the at the university, uh, Victoria University. And I went from, I think my salary was $23,000 a year. Man, I was rolling in it. $23,000 a year. and I think I got a promotion to $26,000 a year. An extra three grand. I was like, man, this is amazing. Look at me. I'm achieving, you know. And then couple of months later, I'm like, well, what next? What next? You know, fast forward quite a number of years. I'm now married, I've got children. And we sell our property that we had here in, uh, that, sorry, not here, but that we had in Sunshine. We sell that property and we buy a property in Nidri. And then a couple more years pass and we decide we're going to renovate this property because I promised my beautiful bride that she'd have a, a, a new house one day. And that hadn't happened. And so there was that was several years in the planning and to the completion and that happened, and then it's just like a couple of years past. It's like, what next? What next? Well, guys, I'm blessed, and you may be too with a wonderful wife who's always thinking about what next. And I got plenty of lines on the chore list of what next for me to do. But you know, jokes jokes aside, I feel we've all had that thought, that feeling, that question in our hearts or in our minds of like, what's next? What's next for me in my life? Multiple times or several times in our life, what's next? Graduating from high school or or university, getting that first job or maybe finishing a computer game if you're a young person here today or experiencing an unexpected loss or or having your first child or buying a house or any of these things or maybe turning 21 or maybe 40 or 50 or 70 like what's next and all these things that you do paying your mortgage if you own a business trying to meet payroll each week it's like we do these things and then we just think to ourselves what's next well today we're starting a new series and it's called what next next And it's the question Theophilus may have had, and it's the question that the disciples may have had. They may have thought to themselves, after Jesus rose from the dead, what next? Like, what's next for us? What's next for our lives? Where do we go from here? What's next for the message of Jesus? What's next? And it's the same question we may ask ourselves after Easter. Easter, we have the build-up and the lead-up and the, and the event, the celebration, the remembrance, the solemnness of Good Friday, Jesus died. And then the celebration on Easter Sunday, Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead and we remember those things. And then Easter Monday comes and then Tuesday and then, then it's Thursday and then normal life starts to happen. We go back to the mundane and the question arises, what's next? What's God got for my life? What does God have for our church? What's his next for me and for us? Well, over the coming weeks in April, we're going to unpack after Easter what's next. We're going to unpack what happened, and I believe what God wants for us. And I pray that as we lean in, to God's Word as we lean into the Holy Spirit over these coming weeks, that we would hear, that we would see, that we would experience, and that we would find uh, a satisfaction to sometimes the question of what next in finding out what God's next is for us. Let's pray right now. God, today we just give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord. You are a risen Savior. But Jesus, as the time progressed and we asked the question, what next? I pray as we study today, as we read your word, that we will find a a glimpse, that we will find an answer to that question in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad I'm in church this morning. It's great to have you here. You know, it's tempting to think that maybe God's work ended after Easter. Jesus rose from the grave and then he ascended and he went to heaven. But as we mentioned last week, Jesus actually spent a number of days, weeks after the resurrection here on earth. We just read it earlier, Acts 1-3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The scriptures say that for 40 days Jesus appeared... And did things and taught things about the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about the number 40? Now, if you're in your late 30s, maybe you are thinking about the number 40. But have you ever thought about the number 40? It's a number that is mentioned so often in the Bible. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it or try to read something in it that may not be there. But it's a number that usually represents a period of trial or testing or probation And we see many many times it's mentioned in the Old Testament when God sent the rain to bring the flood. It rained for how many days and nights? Forty days and forty nights. We see that Moses, when he's in Egypt, he's a a, a young man, a prince. And we find that after killing the Egyptian, an Egyptian man, what does he do? He flees. And how long is he in the desert for? Forty years. The law specified the maximum lashes a man could receive was forty lashes. I mean, come on. Don't women get lashes as well? Like, well for (laughs) equality. Israel wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Goliath taunted Saul's army for how many days? 40 days before David came and slew him. Elijah fleeing from the the threat of Jezebel. He travels for 40 days trying to get away from her. And Jesus himself was tempted 40 days in the desert. 40. Could it be that Jesus remained on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection because he was making a proclamation that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures. Maybe in those 40 days he proclaimed, I fulfilled a greater judgment on the cross Than the flood when I died for you. Maybe he said, I'm a greater priest and leader than Moses ever was. Maybe he said, I took all your lashings for you when I died on the cross. I obeyed the law perfectly because Israel could not. Perhaps he said, I'm a better king than David who defeated Goliath because I defeated Satan. Maybe he said, I am the fulfillment of Elijah's prophecies and I will never flee Jezebel. Maybe he said, I defeated sin and death and the grave at my resurrection. Could it be that 40 days is the exclamation point of the last words he said on the cross? It is finished. Jesus accomplished much in the 40 days after his resurrection. And he continues to do much through his church in 2021 and beyond. And maybe you're here today and you've got questions about Jesus, about God. You've got questions about the church and could be that it's your first time in church. And if it's your first time today, we want to welcome you and say it's so great to have you with us. Or maybe it's your 1,000th time in church. But regardless, either position you find yourself in, you might have a question that you're asking and an answer that you're seeking. Well, I believe that in church you can find answers to your questions of life. And I would like to let you know that we're here for you and you have questions. Please come and ask us. We'd love to talk to you and, 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 and spend time with you, helping you to find out what's next for you. Maybe the question you have is, how can I make myself right with God? But what you need to know is we, we actually can't make ourselves right with God. It's not possible. But amazingly, as we just remembered at Easter, God sent his son Jesus. And if you'll accept Jesus into your life, the Bible says that his righteousness which is a fancy word for rightness. I don't know if that's a real word, but the rightness of his life, God will transfer it to you so that you can be made right before God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to receive Jesus today. Acts 1 and verse 1, uh, Luke says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. What was it that Jesus taught his disciples in those 40 days? Like it's not written down. A lot of the teachings of Jesus prior to the cross are written down in the Gospels. But what he taught and what he he did and all those things, it's not really written down. How good would it be if we had written down what Jesus did and taught in those 40 days? I think that would be amazing. We could call it the, I don't know, the the Gospel of the 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. Something like that. But you know, even though it may not be written down, I actually think it is possible for us to know what Jesus did, what Jesus taught. See, we have the New Testament. We have the Scriptures. How is it That these men knew what to write in those books, those letters, those correspondence that they did. How was it that John knew what to write in 1, 2 and 3 John? Or or Peter in 1 and 2 Peter? Or James knew what to write in the books of James? I believe it's because they were with Jesus in those 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. And they wrote down and the Holy Spirit led them to write those messages, those letters that they did. How about Paul? Paul who writes half of the New Testament. How is it possible that he was able to write those writings and those letters? I believe it's because the experience that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. If you don't know, he has a, a vision of Jesus on the way to meet some people. And Jesus speaks to him and in that moment he has a transformation of his life. He's changed That's how I believe. See, what Jesus did and taught, not just before the cross, but also in the 40 days after the resurrection, we have been taught by those men who have written those letters. And so when you read the Bible... It's not just those men writing. It's also Jesus speaking through the Holy Spirit that inspired those men to write down those words. That's Jesus speaking to you through men. We can know what Jesus said in those 40 days after the resurrection. See, Jesus accomplished much in the 40 days after his resurrection. So you might be asking yourself, I know the Gospels. I know some of the New Testament books, but what's the significance of Acts? Like, what's the book of Acts about? And a couple of things. Acts obviously it bridges the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament writings, and it provides an account and a context for those early days and early years after Jesus left Earth. And it also starts to answer the question, starts to provide answers to the question of what next. What next? Turn to the person next to you and say, what next? If you're taking notes today, write this down. What next? The church. What next? The church. See, 2,000 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, we take the idea of the church for granted. But in Acts, it was something new. It was something fresh. It was something exciting. It was the next that God had for humanity. And as you read Acts... As you read about the early church, as Luke gives his account, you'll see that there's all kinds of problems that they experienced. And I don't know about you, but if I was Luke, maybe I wouldn't have written down those things. Maybe I would have just said it was all good, all rosy, everything was fine. But Luke gives a true account of what they face. And actually, I'm thankful that he did that. I mean, they talk about all these kinds of challenges that they face, leadership challenges, hurt feelings, Poor decisions, disagreements between good people, money issues. There was a constant tension between the political and cultural worldviews of the day. And doesn't that sound exactly like some of the challenges we as the church face today? The challenges the church faces, the challenges that we face in our day-to-day life. So be encouraged that what we face is not unique to us all this time, or to Elevation Church, or to the church, capital C, what was true then is true now. Good news, what we experience, the disciples experienced. Doesn't that bring some thought of like, wow, I'm going through what they went through. This is awesome, God. This is great. See, what's amazing is that despite all those things, bickering and fighting and money issues and who's going to do this and that and you know all these types of things in spite of all those things God built his church in spite of the early church and in spite of us today here in 2021 God is building his church see God takes us broken hurting conflicted people and he uses us to build and to make his Church. I love what Matthew says in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now I know Jesus is talking to Peter there, he specifically mentions Peter, but I believe just as true it was that he was speaking to Peter, I believe it's just as true that he is speaking to you today as you sit in those chairs that Jesus is saying, I will build my church upon you, upon us, and how shall not overcome and prevail against it. You know, for 35 years, this church has existed. It was originally called Sunshine Christian Outreach Center. Then it was renamed to Melbourne West Church. And then more recently, when my wife and I took over the church, it was renamed to Elevation Church. But for 35 years, this church has been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and shining God's light into the western suburbs of Melbourne. And it's not because we're great people, it's because Jesus is a great Jesus. He's been with us, He's been at work, He's still at work 2,000 years later in the local church. And over 35 years, we've seen many people come and go. We've seen many churches come and go. And I'm not making statements about those churches, but I want to make a statement about this church. We're here for a reason. God has us here for a plan and a purpose and a destiny. At any point in our past, we could have folded, but we're still standing. And we're standing because Jesus is with us. He's beside us. He's leading us. He is in work in our lives and our lot in our church. And I believe we're only just getting started. Turn to someone and say, we're just getting started. We're, we're, we're 35 years young. Some people might think that's old. Oh, we're 35 years young. Come on. God wants to accomplish, we haven't seen all that God wants to accomplish in this church, that he wants to accomplish in people's lives, that he wants to see in eternities changed for Jesus, in souls one, for God's kingdom and the gates of hell and the enemy's plans defeated. You better believe God's not finished with us yet. The keys could come. Philippians 1.6, Paul says this, And I am certain that God. Who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. That's God's promise for you, your family. That's God's promise for me. That's God's promise for Elevation Church. What next? The church. You know, our weekly church service is our weekly connection to Easter morning. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, before the church God's people used to meet on the Sabbath, a Saturday. It was a day of rest. It was a day to be set aside to God. But in the New Testament, we see that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. He says, come to me, all those who are weary, and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus says, I am now your rest. And so the early church, they begin to meet every day of the week. But Sunday was a special day for them. They meet on Sunday, and it's beginning. It's 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 important because it's the sun. It's on Sunday that Jesus rose again, and it's the reason we meet on a Sunday. Do you ever wonder how can we do church on a Sunday? We do church on a Sunday because we celebrate. We come here to remember Jesus rose again on a Sunday. Ever wondered why we do the things that we do the way that we do them? Was it just our lead pastor Russ Abraham one day said, "Wow, well, I, I just had a good idea. This is how we're going to do church, guys," and so that's how we do church. No, it's not. Acts 2 gives us a picture of the early church and describes what the early church was doing. Listen to this. These things they were doing. People were being baptized. Someone was teaching. They were singing praise and worship to God. They took communion together, remembering Jesus. They ministered to each other. There was giving of money. Our church services are modeled on the early church example. So if ever thought, why do we do all these things? It's because we're just following what the early church did. We're following them. You know, people say, oh, we've gone too far away from, you know. No, no, we're still doing what the early church did. We're still doing all those things. That's why here at Elevation Church and at many other churches, great churches throughout Melbourne, we do what we do on a Sunday morning. Here's what you need to know, though. Sunday worship isn't just ritual. It's also rehearsal. One day, some of the things we do here at church, we're going to be doing in eternally. We're going to be in heaven worshiping and praising God. We're going to be ministering to each other. We're going to be spending time in God's presence. Those things that we do here, it's not just ritual, it's rehearsal. So guys, practice, rehearse. We're going to be praising God for eternity. But I can think of one thing, and it's probably many, I can think of one thing we won't be doing in heaven that we still get to do here in earth, and that is to proclaim the gospel to those who are unsaved. We're not going to get to do that in heaven. The heaven is full of saved people. But while we're here on earth, we get to proclaim the gospel message to those who are unsaved. And in Acts 2, at the end of that chapter, it talks about how daily the Lord was adding numbers to them, was adding souls to the numbers of those who were being saved. And so for the days and the months and the years and the decades ahead of us, just like in the past days, months and years, decades, We're going to do those things. We're going to be a church that works both of those roads. We're going to be a church that worships God, praises God. God, we worship you. You're so good. We exalt you. We just give you praise and honor in our lives and in this place. And we're going to be a church that proclaims the gospel message. Where the lost are welcomed. Where Jesus is preached. Where the Bible is what we believe. Just like the early churches of both of these, we can be both of these too. So, today, what's, what's our takeaway? What's our encouragement as I start to come to a close? Easter's gone, it's last week, we're where we find ourselves. What's, what's next? What's next? Let me encourage you with this let's live on Monday like Jesus arose on Sunday. Come on, let's live on Monday a Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday like Jesus arose on Sunday. And in the coming years, we're going to do great things for God. We've got great plans. We believe God has a great destiny for us to see God move in this place. And we're going to ask God to move mightily amongst us to do the miraculous. And as Pastor Gabby shared earlier, we have legacy coming up. On the 30th of May, where we give above and beyond our usual giving, I want to ask you right now, would you start right today seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit of how He might be leading you to give above and beyond that you usually do or to to give if you don't usually give and to seek God for that, to be led by Him. And we're going to leave a legacy. We want to leave a legacy. Why do we call it legacy? Because we want to leave a legacy here on earth while we're on earth. A legacy for God's eternity, for God in heaven. But how about, before we go there, how about we invite God, we ask God to help us in the normal things of life, in our day-to-day. I don't know about you, but I want God involved in all my life. In all of my life, day-to-day. How would our lives look differently if we really did believe that Jesus rose again? So today, if you're here and you're feeling discouraged, I want you to remember Jesus rose again to give you new life. If you've got broken dreams or a roadblock in your life, I want you to remember Jesus rose again from the grave to give you new life. If someone else at work got that promotion that you believe you worked so hard for, remember Jesus rose from the grave to give you new life. If you have a test, an exam, young people or or older people at uni or postgraduate or school, remember Jesus rose from the grave to give you new life. If someone walked out on you, if a relationship ended that you didn't want to end, remember Jesus rose again from the grave to give you new life. If you're stressed, anxious about anything finances, health, whatever it might be Jesus rose again from the grave to give you new life if you're scared to tell someone about Jesus if you're scared to invite someone to church remember Jesus rose again to give you new life He's risen and we may celebrate the risen Saviour one weekend a year at Easter but we got to live every day that Jesus rose again from the grave to give us new life. He's alive. He's alive. He is risen. What's next? The church. Not a name, not a building, not a senior pastor or a location pastor. The church. That's you. You're the church. People are the church. You're the church. What's next? The church. This week, church, let's live on Monday Like Jesus arose on Sunday. Let's pray. God, today, we we just give you so much praise.